Hello out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes Podcast. Coming to you live from the United States. Um, only two parts of it today. The uh, west side, we got the California boys represented with myself and uh, Mr. Chris up in Del Mar. What's up, Chris? How you doing, Matt? How you doing? Nice to see you again. Oh, well, I just played uh, some golf and had some nice brews, so I'm feeling a little bit better about the result than I was yesterday. Uh, but that's a little, you know, just a little uh, oil for the uh, machine. But we're also joined by our friend Jason, uh, dear co-host Jason. How are you, my dude, in New York? Oh, doing good, man. I could use a little bit of that California sunshine later. To You're, are you a little up, hungover so. today, still from yesterday? <laughs> it's, it, was, it's, it was it was a rough day for several reasons today. Um, sure. Certainly the, uh, the 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 latest result did not help matters. I, I, I'll say that too. So would have been good to be on the golf course with you today. So we'll have to get out and, uh, and play soon. Very soon, man. Very soon. We'll make that happen. But yeah, it uh, you got to find something to keep your mind preoccupied after a uh, result like that. Um, Chris, just take it away, dude. Your your thoughts. We spent the day together at the beloved Bluefoot. Uh, we've we, you, The day started out great. We got a new hook system to hold the San Diego Foxes sign. Um, so you're more not killing place. yourself, Matt. Well, after last week, we had a wind incident and it knocked it to the ground mid game. And I thought that that was maybe a precursor for the result. But we're, we we started out really strong, Chris. And then from there, it just went downhill. Uh, just just help help our friends out with your thoughts on the match that was uh, yeah. at Stanford Bridge. OK, I'm going to be a glass half full guy for this podcast. I'm going to look at the positives from this. I'm going to try and not be negative Nancy like I was last week. So positives. I thought it was our best performance of the season. I thought that we were aggressive at times during the game. I thought that we moved the ball quickly at times, which which was um, great to see. I thought we created chances, which is something that we've not necessarily done very much of in the first three games. Uh, Highlight Justin Barnes were fantastic down that left-hand side again, building that. That relationship is getting stronger and stronger. And that battle between Justin and James was, like, fantastic. It was, like, almost... It could be... you could Gareth Southgate must have been watching that and licking his lips going, there's there are two of my boys that I can possibly take to the World Cup. Um, in terms of the selection, I thought it was... Kudos to Rogers for trying something different. I think that's a positive way of looking at it. I thought Sumare whilst not show-stopping, he did a good job. He disrupted the play a little bit. Dennis Pratt is not really a right winger, but again, in that first half, he did a job. He tried to cover when Timmy was overlapping. Um, And if we'd taken our chances, we could have walked away from Stamford Bridge with three points. So all in all, that's my positive take is, like you say, nowhere to go but up. But if we play like that for the rest of the season, we're a mid-table side comfortable. Well, here's my thing with that. If we're going to play that game, we've got to also play the game where we also had some results on the other side. Are we not, Jason? Yeah, I pretty much have the complete opposite take on, on, on this game. Like, I think I disagree with you on like every single point. I love it. Uh, we need that positivity, man, because I... I um, we need to cling to anything right now. Yep. Um, but, uh, I mean, I did think that that Justin, you know, by large, was good. Barnes um, 
showed that he's dangerous. So those were positives for me. So I agree with you on that. I also thought that Yuri played very well um, as the game went on and was creating, helping us create a lot. I do not think that the approach was aggressive enough. Um, I felt like there was a really good opportunity. This is a free hit. Anytime you go to a ground like Stanford Bridge, I think it's a free hit. So I think you should go out and try to get something from the game and be, you know, aggressive from from the get go and just, you know, see what happens. Not only that, um, we had other blessings there with a decimated Chelsea black back line. They were not playing their their best lineup, uh, and then get gifted a uh, a right card, which was it was it was a clear second yellow. Um, so we were able to play up a man for an hour in that game. So these are all things opportunities that you have to if you're not going to t- be take these opportunities when one of the big six teams gifts them to you, then you're approaching the match like a team that deserves to be relegated. And that's what I felt Um, yesterday. I think they waited um, until 60 minutes and two goals to really start trying to like push the game, Um, sat back and played too much in our own half while being up a man. Um, We did have quality on the pitch. Don't think they were direct enough. That ball over the top was there for the taking all game long and just waited just waited too long to make those plays. And um, whereas, like, you know, did I, going into the day, I would have been happy with a draw. But um, I think it's really disappointing not to walk away from that opportunity with at least a point. Absolutely, man. That's where I'm, I'm – I kind of am at the same, same point. Like, we had so <laughs> many opportunities where – What's that? I'm just saying, though, like, I just love seeing Chris over there smiling in the sunshine <laughs> because, honestly, Mate, like, yeah. this has got to be the only way to even get through this. And I, I might have to just, like, take my medicine and just, like, pump the positivity, man. So I do really appreciate <laughs> just that goodness and the positivity Jason, that you you're that, to Jason, us. you're that guy. You're like, you're like the guy, the devil that's sitting on my shoulder at this moment in time, just whispering me the truth. Like... Yeah, if I want to be negative on this, I've got a bazillion things written down right here. And and basically, it all goes through the manager and his decision-making. But ultimately, yeah, I've we've seen some crap as Leicester fans. So I'm just going to try my best to be positive of this. I mean, the, the, uh, to, to kind of take it a little bit further wide, like watching some of the games this weekend, there are some god-awful teams in the Premier League this year as well. So... If we're bad, there are some teams around us which I think are going to be just as bad. So, but um, I agree. I think you were right. I think you're right in saying that it took us to the 60th minute to be, to kind of take it up another level. But is that not a confidence thing that we're just not getting that from the manager? Like, he's not going in and Ging the boys up and saying, hey, this is here for the taking. I mean, what in the hell he did in the team talk at half time? Beggar's belief because we went in with Castagne having that golden opportunity, and then two minutes later, after the break, we go one down. It it's it's kind of wild. <laughs> like I think Robbie Earl said on NBC that today he was talking about how the most important 15 minutes of the week is that halftime team talk for a manager. And I have no idea what Brendan did in that halftime, but it obviously did nothing to the players and just made us come out flat and useless. Um, but Matt. You're in the middle. So positive, negative, or neutral on this one? 
I it's tough because there were so many signs of like a team that's actually trying to fucking put something on the pitch and make something work. Uh, but then there were just so many questionable <laughs> things that just made us feel like we're just in this rut. Like facts are facts though, boys. We're in a position we haven't been in six years, seven years at the bottom of the fucking table. So whether we, I love your pros. I'm with you, Chris. Like I love your positivity, but at the, I'm with Jason as well. Like maybe this is a perfect position for me because there's some tough, tough questions to be answered. We are not a team that needs to be where we are with the squad that we have right now. Um, and, and facts are facts. We're seeing the the results of, of mismanagement and recruiting, mismanagement and paying people too much money, mismanagement and scrambling and, you know, um, panicking when we lost Fafana and signed defenders from Southampton to fill out a team that was trying to compete in Europe as well. And unfortunately, it really does feel like all the crows are coming home to roost right now at once, um, where we have a manager pissed off because he can't buy who he wants. Whether you believe if he's spent his entire summer on FaceTime, you know, encouraging players from Celtic or whatever the fuck he was talking about, encouraging players to come from wherever they were to play for us. And then he was just shut down by, you know, top. And I, I don't, I just don't buy into this whole thing, but unfortunately this is where we are, dude. And we've been in such worse positions uh, as a club. The three of us know that more than anybody, but where we are right now is it's, it's very scary. And I think the thing was we, there were, there were signs of brightness um, during the game that made me think that the players, in spite of all the whirlwind bullshit going around with Fafana and Rogers and the club and whatever, they were going to just put it on their back and play. And I know I wasn't the only one whose heart was in their throat when we saw Johnny Evans go down because that's not a player that goes down unless something. So throw that onto your positive list as well, Chris, with things that happened on the day because we did see players trying to play um, for the pride of the club, for the pride of themselves. And so, yeah, I, I feel like, honestly, I'm the perfect middle position. I don't know if, Jason, if you want to go next, because yeah. I, I didn't really add anything or subtract anything from either of you there. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say um, that I, I did want to spend a bit of time and like kind of talk about Johnny Evans separately, because I think that was a real special moment. And he really showed that he is a captain and he looked like he was in pain the whole game and he just kept battling at his age i mean if that doesn't inspire the rest of the team to like do something already i don't know what is and um so there is a there's a problem there's a confidence issue i, I think you're right about that um and you know we talk about like the the old times and some of the the, the crap that we have seen in the past so this kind of seems light in comparison but if we you know this could have been a real opportunity to kind of take a page out of a, an old Leicester team's book. Um, Jordan, my, my, my brother was, you know, one of the co-founders of New York Fox. I think he made a point that was, I think I, I wish I hadn't read when he texted me um, because it was disappointing that we don't really have this attitude. I think if we, let's say this were the old Martin O'Neill days and we're going to Stanford bridge to play a Chelsea team that's actively screwing with us actively trying to unsettle the player constantly like setting us up with low wall offers getting a player to not show up to training just actively screwing with us 
a guy like O'Neal would have gone in front of the camera after the lineups were announced and just said he's completely disgusted by the way Chelsea are doing their business. And this is like no way that like no other team in the league should be have to be put in this position. And that's just complete bullshit by them. Um, we don't really have that. Then he would have gone into the locker room and said, you know, these guys on the other end are completely trying to screw with us. Uh, they're trying to disrupt our team. They're trying to actively like break up this team. So we need to go out there. We need to fight together. And you need to make sure you send one of those Chelsea players off on a stretcher. And not absolutely none of that. Absolutely none of that. Yes. No, man. Just yeah. Even even if you go back to to Nigel Pearson days, dude, you think a Nigel Pearson team trots out there and just I mean, there there is a lack of fight here that Brendan is not inspiring. That's almost two two forces going against each other. You have a player. You have players like Johnny Evans. You have players like uh, Danny Ward, for that matter, who who put on a performance like Raheem Sterling is is crowned. You know, yet if if not for Danny Ward, his efforts on that game, and uh, it's just two things hitting against each other where we have players, and I feel like we have a mat manager that doesn't give a shit, Chris. Well, we have a manager that comes out and echoes the same comments that Jason is referring to. After the game, he came out and said, "We didn't have the fight, we didn't have the character, we didn't have the the strength." Dude, that's all down to him. Like, he's the one that sets that tone for the club. He sets it on the Monday going through the week towards the game. And, I I mean, no wonder you see these little contradictions in the media between Evans and Rogers and things like that because there does seem to be a disconnect, to your point, Matt, that is getting bigger and bigger as the weeks go on. And it does start to feel at this moment in time that, We've got to a point of no return now. Like, we're not, something's going to happen. Now, either the club are going to make a statement and we're going to sign some players in the next four days and give Rogers the keys to the car and say, okay, go drive it, go take us to where you want to take us. Or we're going to say, no, that money bit goes to St. Etienne. 10 million and that pays you off. And then we get the other 10 million on whoever your replacement's going to be. Like it just, it does feel that we're getting to a fork in the road here at some point soon. I don't know when it would be, but I think what we do between now and Thursday is going to be really kind of, I think a strong message from the club about what they see the future being over this season. We're definitely between a rock and a hard place. And I mean, look, like the owners have already shown they don't have patience for this bullshit. Look, I mean, Pule's leash, how much longer was it than what they're giving Brendan right now? Oh, well, look at Ranieri's the prime example, isn't it? I mean, you, you win the league and get sacked within six months. It's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, Claudio worked off at Stoke and told the away fans to throw coins at the referee. He was so furious by like what had happened. And we go down there and, like, just nothing. Like, we don't need the results. And I think that's the issue also. I think there's a feeling that the fans are frustrated because of the results. And the fans are frustrated because of the lack of transfer activity. And I don't think that's the case. Now, I don't want to speak for you all. And I don't want to speak for everyone else. But for me, I don't mind. Like, I will watch a team that finishes in 17th place. I'll watch a team that gets relegated. We would have been, would have been happy to stay with my Leicester. 
if the great escape hadn't happened or if we won the league and then went down short, sure, it would have been embarrassing. But I want to see a team that's going to go out there and fight and like try to play for the badge. And um, so I don't, I don't care if there's no transfer activity. I don't care if we had to sell Fafana. I think that that was, he handled himself like really poorly. And um, we want players that, that are here and playing for, for Leicester city football club that want to be here. But um, the results are almost secondary. You know, we watch football for entertainment. We're Leicester city fans and we have been for a long time, not because we need to be part of a winner. We're not these like new Chelsea fans that are out there. Um, or Man City fans just because they've been winning. You know, we love Leicester City Football Club. We love the ethos. We love the city. We love the people that are there. We love the community that's around the club. And that's what matters. And we kind of want to see that reflected in in the performances. It's just such a stark contrast, man. Like, even if you, you know, because you look at players, and not to get nostalgic or anything, but if you think about your you know, Okazaki's, your Wazalewski's, your Koncheski's. I mean, we could go down the line and you talk about guys that really put, that made the club and they made their name for the club off of their work rate. And right now there's just such a disconnect, Chris. Matt, let me ask you this question. Do you think, do you name three players there that I 100% agree with you with a definition of work rate, passion? If you, if those three players were still at the club at this moment in time, do you think that level of commitment, passion would still be there? Or I kind of think if you think that the manager as well, if you think that a locker room and I guess it, it's kind of I don't want to shit on like our veterans that are still there, our Marty's and, and our Markies and, and, and Vards. But like, I just don't see a locker room that contains Marcin Wazalewski taking that shit from Chelsea and it being anything but a bloodbath when you got back after 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the attitude is just so such shit, dude. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think so. Those types of characters wouldn't let this stand, but I also do think, though, um, that there's no guarantee that these guys would have been like you know, would have continued on that passion through. Sometimes you don't realize what you've got until it's gone. I think a great example of that is Danny Simpson. Uh, he he's talked about that in the past, he didn't realize what he had until he left Leicester. And he wished he would have stayed for another season because he realized like how special the club was, and you and you could hear it. <laughs> he was doing co-commentary at the Stockport game, <laughs> like he couldn't he was, even I like. Pretty good. <laughs> I loved it. He like wonderful. Had to. He was living and dying on every single kick of the ball. He like was reacting like a fan before like the play-by-play guy would even finish his thought like every penalty he's like celebrating or like being upset before the commentators even said what happened he's the guy is living and dying like you can see like how much he still loves the Leicester man and you know what it wouldn't be bad for like to have guys like that kind of around the team a little bit more I wonder if we're still if that's still the case because you know with the team moving to Seagrave they're a little bit more like isolated um, and they may not have, be around these guys where like you know Taggart and and Steve Walsh and now Danny Simpson and these guys uh, and Matt Elliott are probably a little bit more around the stadium and less around Seagrave and probably the Birch as well and I think um, 
those guys and their attitude and their, their love for the club is is contagious. And um, I, I'm st- I wonder, I don't know if this is the case, this is just me just thinking out loud, but I wonder if the players are not being exposed to kind of those types of characters as much as they used to be. Well, obviously, Danny's got an extra love for the, because he was in a tough spot career-wise when Lester, you know, really reached out for him. It was QPR, right? I, I believe where Danny came from yeah. at that point and he was having some rough stuff. And, and failed at Manchester United before. Yeah, and and yeah. he locked down that right side for us. Obviously, the rest is history. So love seeing club servants. We've seen Nuge come back with a chance now in the commentary yeah. booth for us. So just does your heart so good, and it, it's a reminder of what this fucking club is like. It's a small community of hardworking fucking players, and that's our identity. And here we are. Well, maybe that maybe you've just hit the nail on the head. Maybe we've just gone away from that identity. Maybe the fact finishing fifth two seasons on the bounce, winning the FA Cup has instilled this. And then I think it's great that we're forward thinking and aggressive, but at the same time, maybe we've just gone away from like you guys have talked about that sense of identity and what we are as a, as a club, as a community, as a fan base. And I know glass half full again, maybe this is the way that we reset everything and we, humble ourselves and like yeah we can be great and when we're great we're up there fighting for the champions league but you've got to remember to your guys's points that we are little old leicester and if we are garbage week in and week out we're not gonna end up 12 we're gonna be bottom of the league like we are at this moment in time yeah i think you tip the nail on the head there chris and for me i think the goal of the season at this point is simply to kind of revive the culture around the club and sure some new training new signings and new blood help with that but um there's kind of needs to be those reminders about like what Leicester City Football Club um um is all about and um so hopefully we start to see a little bit more focus on that and hey if if it's going to be difficult with the squad that, that that's there right now then Focus on the fans and and get the supporters behind you. I mean, especially now that we <laughs> Forrest is back in the same league with us and we're having to, like, man, what a what a gut check um of a spot where you are as a club when we actually have a rival back in the league that is performing and spending fucking money comparatively to where we are. So this is a perfect ch- chance for us to really, you know, kind of smack dust in our face and remind ourselves of who we are as a club and um, get back to that culture. To your point, Jason, um, Chris, do you want to bust into, I, I know we jumped ahead guys a little bit and covered Chelsea uh, ahead of our cup result. Do you want to cover the um, earlier uh, matchup during the week, during our Carabao cup result? Oh, do I have to Matt? That was, I mean, yeah, dude, it's because it, it, it really, I, let's so just I do listen, it quick. Let's get it out yeah, of the I way. Let's talk the about that shit. I, I guess the best one. part was going to the actual ground, right? Yes. <laughs> for our fans. Yeah, for the fans, I think it probably was. I mean, well, it didn't um, penalty shootouts are fun, I suppose. And when you win them, it's it's a relief and a sigh. But I mean, yeah, when you win them, for, thanks to your the side was second strong. string goalkeeper, that, it's that an was the problem. Relief. The side was pretty strong. We had 
players that were, as we talked about last week on the podcast, when listening back, I thought both Jason and Jim were making great points when they were talking about how we've got to give some of these players who are competing for that 11 the opportunity to get game time and to get match fit and just have get up to the speed of the game. And I thought the stop was, a, when you saw the lineup, you were like, okay, this makes sense. He's playing some of those players that you guys referred to last week who could get a bit more game time, get get up to that match fitness and be pushing ready for Chelsea at the weekend. And we were garbage. I mean, absolutely garbage. I we we've talked about on this podcast for years how when a team sets up in a low block we might as well just give up and walk off the pitch because we just don't ever have the ability to break down a low block and they set up they had a low block and of course three years later we're still suffering from the same problem of just passing it sideways every time not getting through the block not breaking the lines and the result is we go to penalties but um i think it was just, we got lucky. That's all I can say. I mean, you can imagine what the narrative would have been if we got dumped out of the cup by Stockport and then we'd lost this game in this way. I don't know if Rodgers would still be around. Like, I think the the, narr- the narrative, because we won, is a little bit different. But, yeah, Matt, I mean, it was just garbage, mate. Absolute garbage. I, I honestly, it's it was, in, yeah, to your point, man, it's embarrassing. We've seen that also what we've seen over the years, we, we play down to shit competition. Um, there's just something that comes around and then you throw in the fact that the locker room's uninspired and nobody knows what the hell is going on with the transfers. And Fafana was unsettled, obviously so unsettled at that point, everything was being talked about in the media. And, and so really, I know you said lucky, but we got to give credit where it's due to Daniel Iverson. The kid makes yeah, three bad. penalty saves that's and bad. literally saves us, saves our ass from so much fucking embarrassment. Can you imagine the headlines um, and, and just the mountain of shit that would have just compounded on everything had this nut, had this young man not, you know, taken the game by the nuts and, and done what he done. So I, Props to Daniel Iverson um, and props to the boys for, for knocking home some shots. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on the result? And obviously we keep going through. We haven't played a second round in a while and <laughs> we're off to a rocky damn start. Yeah. Uh, from what I can tell from listening to the uh, game, to the broadcast, um, yeah, obviously there was no televised broadcast of the game. From what I can tell from listening um, is that, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty poor performance. I think the highlights for me were uh, the Danny boys. So Daniel Everson in goal, um, making those big stops. Those were some fantastic saves. I did see the highlights. And then Danny Simpson, man, in, in the booth, I got to give him a lot of credit. Like he actually like made that entertaining for me. It was just so, I don't know why I got such a kick out of listening to him. I hope he comes back and does more games, man. When they like play up north, because I was, I was texting you guys during the game. I'm like, like I didn't know who it was at first. I'm like, who is this guy? He's just like living and dying on every play. Like, which player is this? Until someone like told me it was it was Danny because you know I didn't I didn't catch like the earlier part of the broadcast, and I was just like getting a kick out of listening to him while I was working. So Danny, man, uh, thanks, man. Thanks for making that those couple hours a lot more enjoyable. And then after the game, 
they were like talking to him in the studio, like, you know, Taggart and the guys. And then like he he was talking to them after the game and then he was just like suddenly disconnected and just left it and like were wondering where he went and like didn't get a chance to say goodbye. It was just Danny man. Just thank you, man. Thank you, man. I think Zippo, we all, we baby. all needed that. We all needed yeah. that. It was awesome. I'm just glad the man's still getting it done. And yeah, I'm with you. I hope he gets some more chances because that was classic having him around. The other other highlight to me was I was following the penalties uh, from Rob Tanner on Twitter. And Tanner says the Perez miss. He gives it the implication that the thing's heading towards the moon. He's like, Perez has skied it over the bar. And then literally two times later, there's a guy videoing it behind the goal. And he about gets wiped out by Perez's penalty. It was like, I don't know, what game are you watching? Like, yeah, like Tanner, man, I love you. But I'm just wondering what you were trying to do to Iona there, man. <laughs> Does Tanner have secretly this hatred of Perez? Like, he's just trying to let everyone who wasn't at the game think that he's just it's blasted like, it to the moon. <laughs> skied it into the, you know, uh, into the street and then kicked a kitten on his way off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so moving on, we uh, survive by, the, by our Danish teeth. And uh, move this. on to the to the next round there, which yeah, got a great up. draw, man. It's like yeah. let's go for it, man. Let's go for a little cup run. The League Cup is a great um, trophy in our club's history. We've won it several times. Won it in the sixties. Won it twice with O'Neill, and um, and it's the last trophy in a domestic set that Barty and Albright and Amardi, you know, haven't won. So this point. is. Could be it, man. This could be the chance to finally like complete that set. It's we've got another great draw. We've got some big teams playing each other early, um, so this is setting up nicely. And this would be a really wonderful thing for us to get our fans back into to Wembley. And we have some revenge against these assholes. Like, let's be straight. We uh, yeah, we're man. embarrassed a few years ago, Chris. So, what are your thoughts going into this? Yeah, draw? I mean, if, ever, if for those that are new to Leicester City, um, we lost in the FA Cup to these guys uh, in what what we call in the UK one of those third round upsets or one of those just big dog comes into town. And the underdog, David versus Goliath, and here comes David, and he over. So, yeah, I mean, when I when I when I saw the draw, I was like, "Well, firstly, fantastic that we've got a home draw, which is gonna. I mean, twofold for the home draw. Firstly, it puts your mind at ease a little bit, but secondly, as well for the smaller teams, the revenue they get from the cup competitions mm-hmm. is key for the survival of the lower league. So, the fact that we can share our gate with uh, with them, and we can that that can set them up financially for the rest of the year is what domestic cup competitions are all about in the mm-hmm. UK as well. So that's great. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the next round. Like Jason said, I think the fact that teams are playing, some of the big boys are playing each other, and also given the way the Premier League is and how competitive it, it is, you often see rotations from the big sides. You've got teams in Europe who often don't who are deprioritizing like we did last year. So yeah, I think we've got a great shot to keep moving. And again, like you said, this club, this cup means so much to our history. It's that opportunity just to reset and go at it and get that identity of Leicester back. It's a ticket into Europe also in what 
during what will be a difficult league campaign. Great point. And uh, guys, again, Chris mentioned it, but if you're some of our newer Leicester fans, uh, Google Leicester City Coca-Cola Cup for some awesome uh, memories and watch some sweet YouTube videos and give you an idea of what this cup means. It, it used to be, you know, now it's called the Carabao Cup and nobody knows what the fuck Carabao is because it's an energy drink in, in uh, Europe for those of you who aren't aware, but it is a league cup. It used, it's had many names over the years, but some of the best times were what it's called. Well, it, 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 it comes full City. circle as well because obviously the Stockport County manager is Dave Chaloner. Dave Chaloner, mm -hmm. for those yes. if you go Googling against Tranmere, he's the guy with the world record for the, or what the time it was anyway, for the longest throw-ins. The guy would be able to throw it from the halfway line into the 18-yard box. Like he had a mean throw on him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of full circle. Maybe that's it, Matt. Maybe this is the start of something like that full circle coming in. The League Cup also goes full circle um, when it comes to our owner and top, um, which is a great story. And I think this is why we really should try to win this cup. Uh, Top's first game that he went to was Leicester against Millsborough in the cup. Wow. So we played Millsborough and, 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 and he was there. And so when uh, Top and uh, when Vishai also pulled, Vishai used to be a big sponsor of Chelsea. So King Power used to be all over Stanford Bridge, and then he had um, an unfortunate situation with the way he was treated by security there. Um, Roman didn't do anything about it, and so Vishai pulled his money out of out of Chelsea. And then when he was looking for a new club, um, he was offered the opportunity to start, you know, to uh, sponsor Leicester City Football Club. And uh, Vishai and 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 Top had realized like, oh, this is Leicester. This is the team that you saw. I think the first time you went to a game and uh, also were blue and white, same colors as, as, you know, King power. They were a bit superstitious, these guys, and they put their money into the club. And it's all down to that league cup match. Uh, when we won the league cup in, in 97 um, against Burr. It's fucking crazy, man. Like, Wow, man. I mean, when you put it in, in terms like that and you start to think about how long you've been watching the club and how long, you know, Top's been watching the club and you realize just how intertwined his ownership with, at least for you and I, Jason, I know um, it, it's integral to this, everything about really, even before we even knew it, uh, what, what we love about this club. And I mean, right here behind me really like this this is the glory years you know and, and what we we love about this club chris so um you guys want to move on let's go on and 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 look ahead obviously the cup draw was great and and we'll, and we'll go we'll cover that more going on but some pretty big matches uh coming up this week especially on thursday manchester united uh yeah, yeah chris take it away bud Okay, I'm gonna be new. I'm gonna be level set on this one. I'm gonna be level set on this one because I've or I always fancy us against United at the KP. I think recently we've had a very good record against them. I mean, last season was mm -hmm. fantastic. It was a great performance, a great result. Um, United are having, I think, secretly probably the best transfer window of the. Not only in the terms of for their club, I mean, they've overspent. I, I think some of the some of the prices are ridiculous, but I think they're they're getting stronger as a side. 
And some of those players that we could take advantage of last year, like Fred and McTominay in the center of the park, who we could dominate, they're only playing one of them now. So <laughs> I, I think United, come. it's always a good game. I think it's always, the fans are always up for it when United come. It's always, there's that so much history and nostalgia with with just the name Manchester United. It's such a global name that it's going to be a big night under the lights at the KP for the first time this season. Um, I, yeah, I, I think if he can get, if Rogers can get the boys up for it, I think we got a chance. If we get the same level of motivation from what Rogers has given us over these past three games, then we're going to struggle. But I, I think they're, they're still there for the taking and it just depends on what Leicester show up. I like your optimism and to, and to your point, man, uh, Leicester and Man United have a good history, but one of the keys to Leicester's success against Man United has been Jamie Vardy and coming off a match where we saw him miss three chances that Jamie Vardy that we all know uh, makes when his eyes closed with his hands tied behind his back and uh, literally kicking it with the opposite foot. He makes those chances. We see him miss those. There have to be some questions made, not only about uh, your confidence going in, Jason, but also about what, what are you going to do up front um, against a uh, United team um, with Vardy coming off a, a performance like that straight up. And listen, I'm I'm not I'm not saying any ill will against the man. No one loves number nine more than me. But guys, like at the end of the day, if it would have been one thing, maybe, but we saw three chances that were undeniably there for the taking. Look, man, it happens. <laughs> it happens. He hasn't been getting service all season. He finally got a few chances. One bounce goes one way, it goes in. It's just one of those things. The goals will be there. He will score. He just keeps getting himself in the positions if we finally start giving him the damn ball. Fair enough. The goals are fine. I'm not worried at all about Jamie Vardy. I will never be worried about Jamie Vardy. He can go and play as our number nine until he's 62 years old. He will still score goals. So, Vardy, you are the man. You will get those goals. And you know what? You don't need me to tell you. You know you will. So, um, we'll be all right in, in, in that department. As long as we can just get him the ball and create those chances. I would say um, for anyone who's like a little down this year with the uh, with the results if you're having a little trouble kind of getting yourself motivated and like ready for, for this one or if you're a newer fan who who's you know trying to learn a bit about Leicester and um go and and look up that 5-3 win that we had against them in 2014 and, and watch those highlights and that was like when Vardy kind of announced himself onto the you know international scene the um, just the, the yeah just the the wildness of that game the comeback Esteban Cambiasso coming in and scoring uh Vardy banging a few goals getting a um winning penalties dumping United players on their asses um and uh Richie Delato doing his thing Richie Delato like there's just such so much to that game and I that's kind of what become one of my traditions each year before we play United at home I watch um, highlights of that because that game will just never get old. It is still um, one of the greatest games um, I've ever seen. And you will, if you haven't seen it or if you haven't watched it in a while, I guarantee you, you will get chills when you watch those highlights. The quality of the goals as well. I mean, United yeah. goals, all three of them. 
Yeah, insane true like, yeah van Persie. It's, it's got everything that yeah. game you know, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by what he's going to do with the side i'm intrigued whether will it i'm guessing matters will be fit for thursday it seemed it was more precautionary just leaving him out fingers crossed mm. so he'll come straight back in probably i think for dennis pratt and i would be the the whole Sumare and Didi thing is interesting. I didn't know if it was Wolf. It didn't. I didn't really get a sense after the game that the decision was based on a knock or something that Ndidi wasn't necessarily fully match fit. It seemed to be Rogers making it making a decision based on that. So that'll be an interesting call. Um, I suppose the other interest, and I'll get your boys' thoughts on this, is is it time for giving Sionchu a chance at the back? Um, or do we think that Amate, who I thought personally was better on, who was probably had his best game all season on on Saturday against Chelsea, do we stick with that bat line? Because I, I know a lot of the fans at the moment are kind of still thinking is it's Amate, Sionchu, like what does Cags have to do to get a look in? But I'd love to get your boys' thoughts on that one. Yeah, we're playing a lot of games right now, so it's time to kind of start rotating the defense a bit, I think. Um, who knows? We'll see if Evans is uh, still carrying a knock, and um, this you know it's a lot of football now in a condensed window. Um, not really sure what's going on with with Soyuncu, um, but it's clear though it does look like to me that all of our center backs are better in a back four, and it's difficult to kind of find game time for all of them. But it does look pretty clear that we have to set up in a back four going forward. Um, so this is going to be interesting. I think Amarty is starting to get more comfortable in, in that back four and, and playing in that setup, where he doesn't have to kind of push out to the wing so much and play the ball off his left foot. He's got a little bit more room also to push forward. Uh, he was doing that really nicely against Chelsea, I thought, when we were up a man, and he was taking that space. And he was the defender that was making those forays up the pitch. Um, and Evans was able to just kind of sit back a little bit and um, and just focus on his defensive duties, especially while he was carrying a knock. So, you know, we might start to see the best out of Big Dan now. Um, so, and I, for one, um, fully on board with that. You know, what I, I think that Big Dan is just like a great cult hero. And I, I do just love that some elements of our fans have just kind of taken to him, even if he's is struggling out there. Um, I think he's one of those guys. He's still very easy to root for, and I like having Big, big Dan around. Uh, no, I, I agree with you completely because I think fans are judging his performance on Saturday off one moment. Yes, you could argue he didn't close Sterling down quick enough for the goal, but... If Sterling, if it, if Sterling takes that shot and it hits Dan's boot 99 times out of 100, it's going left, right, over the bar, out for a corner, someone else is, or, or Danny yeah. Ward's catching it. It was just one of those freak incidents where Ward was just completely misfooted. He couldn't do anything about it, and it just lobbed into the top corner. It's like, if you're taking that out of the game, like you said, Jason, Amate was great. He was positive yeah. going forward with the ball. He was... To your point, he was very much always thinking going forward. And that's what some yeah. we really want from our centre-halves is to push the ball forward and not just play it sideways. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I think Danny's Amati's done enough, I think, to keep keeping the side. 
For, yeah, and look, Amari didn't give up, give away the ball in the middle of the park with that yeah, lunch. Exactly. Another thing, guys, too, remember, like, no James Madison against Chelsea. And we've seen what he's done against Chelsea in the past. So we, we like, let's hang our hat a little bit on that. We, we, we stuck with them without our most creative attacking threat by far. So we, yeah, we, we didn't play with the best English attacking midfielder. Yeah, straight up. He he, is, I, he is a huge loss. You cannot underestimate the loss of, of, of Madison, but. We were up a man for for an hour, so hopefully he's embarrassing. So we should have gotten done better, but but I, uh, I I really hope that this is just you know keeping him out for you know just kind of managing him and making sure an injury doesn't get worse, and that he'll be okay again for Thursday because um, I'm sure he, he will be particularly up for for this one. Up a man for an hour, up a man for an hour, and also um, straight up fucked out of a. Uh goal because if you think for a minute that Mindy was interfered with and if you think for a minute that that would have been on the opposite <sighs> side with Sterling nah, versus I, I, Danny okay, Ward I'm gonna, I'll step in um, it and I'm, even... I'm gonna say it's a foul if you yeah. look at if you look at the the the, the view from behind mm-hmm. or from looking at the corner you can see Barnes with his arm around Mendy yeah. and Look, if it was on the other end of the pitch, we'd be pissed. That's okay. That okay, maybe he had his arm around yeah. around Mendy like I will when I see you guys next. Like, <laughs> like it was that strong of an embrace. Like I will do that to you guys, and then you'll be like, "All right, if I were in right, that yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. it was foul." But that it will was, come out of love. That'll be from a place of love because I just can't wait to see you guys soon sooner sooner than rather than later uh one more thing to talk about before we get there though guys uh after the man united match which i think we've kind of <laughs> covered up and and really we've said as much as we can hopefully we get healthy um and we, and we come through and and who knows it's going to be a long week before thursday guys as far as club news and with this mm-hmm. late transfer window god only knows what could happen there could be three more players before we play another match onto this team so or there could be no more players so which is mm-hmm. honestly probably the more realistic option um after that though then we have another match on sunday chris so a Thursday to Sunday, we thought we were out of this European craziness window, but we we it's literally back to backs like that. So, uh, unfortunately, not against a team that's playing in Europe or anything like that. Um, but but what what are your thoughts then heading into to, to, to Sunday's match? Well, this could be a certain dress rehearsal for potentially the next Leicester City manager. If you're that if you're that sort of person in the fan base, you may have that opinion going into that Sunday game. I mean, I I. I mean, what can you Brighton say about? Who we're speaking of yeah, guys, right, so. Yes. Um, I mean, they're 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 doing everything that you want to see from those sides mm. outside the top six. They play attractive, aggressive football. They're smart in their transfer market decisions. It seems like they used us as the example that they wanted to go and have a better version of. And kudos to them. Um, I mean. I'll always remember Brighton for the Harvey Barnes game last year. What was it? The, the double disallowed goal for the offside and all that sort of stuff. So I, I do want to, they're one of those teams that I'm always want to beat. But um, yeah, they, they play great football um, and they're going to be a tough, they've, they've had some decent performances this year. They've, they've, they've been, they've had some not so decent, but um, the football they play is fantastic. And, I mean, kudos to them for selling Cucurella for that much money to, to Chelsea. I mean, we thought we'd rob them with Fafana a little bit, but kudos to Brighton for the damage they did there. I mean, 
Yeah, he he was great yesterday on Saturday. I thought he was like he went up and down the left hand side, but he wasn't a fifty five million pound fullback. Like he's not he's not no. Roberto Carlos or or anyone like that. So, uh, but it it I mean Matt, I think just to kind of go on and just repeat myself again, it seems, but it's just going to be tough, mate. Like it until we get that identity and that that Leicester back. Every single game in this league is just going to be an absolute grind. And mm-hmm. you can toss a coin for what Leicester City side shows up and what the results are going to be. I'm selfishly hoping for a result because that will be my birthday. And wow. if we could beat the Seagulls on my birthday, I would be very, very happy about that. So I'm hoping for a good birthday result. Jason, your thoughts heading into Mr. Potter and the goals on Sunday. Yeah, they're they're always tough, man. It's gonna be they they know what they want to do and how they want to play football, which is going to make it very tough for us because they have a clear identity, they have a clear set of tactics, and they go out there and they do it. Um, forgive me, I'm blanking out right now. Is this is Brighton away on Sunday or is that a home match? I think it's a home match. It's home. Yeah, home. Okay, I was gonna say if it were an away game. Um, I would just say I would just really, really hope the guys go out there and, and, and put on some kind of fight because I don't know if, if anyone has not been to the Brighton not. Stadium. Real quick, AMX Stadium. Okay, so if, any, if anyone hasn't been into Brighton away, um, it is a real pain in the ass to get to. It's not really in the city. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. You have to take the train to Brighton and then you have to get on this other special train that takes you like out to the stadium. So from Leicester to Brighton, it is a, it's a bit of a haul. That's a, that's a bit of a trip for fans to make, especially on a Sunday, especially with all the mess happening on the, with the rail service in the UK right now. So any fan that goes to that game is putting in a real effort to get there. And uh, I really do hope that they're rewarded for that effort. We need it. We need we need some positivity. We need like if anything could be happening, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen between now and Thursday. Let alone what's going to happen between now and Sunday with this club, Christopher. Um, I guess like heading into, you want to hit up some of these. I know I sent you uh, one of our uh, correspondents, Ollie. If you want to get, if you have a chance to maybe load that, I don't know if it'll work. I sent it to you in the uh, group chat there, but we can hit up the Twitter questions here. Uh, Philly Fox has asked, how would we best spend the Fafana money, Jason? Uh, our boy CJ yeah. with the Philly Foxes is asking, if you had a chance right now, where would you put that money the Fafana gets? And honestly, how much do we get after? Because it's, it's confusing because I know some of it goes to St. Antien, who uh, saw <laughs> what kind of player he was before we did. Yeah, uh, well, first, man, got to give CJ and the Philly Foxes, like, all the props in the world, man. And this is what this is all about. This is what this podcast is all about, just, like, creating this lesser community in, in New York. We are all kind of like-minded guys, right? And in New York, my brother and I will, like, realize, like, every other club here has a, has a supporters group. And where the hell is the Leicester City group? Okay, there wasn't one, so let's, let's make it happen. Let's just do it you guys found each other out in San Diego and you said, what the hell? Let's just like start this group and, and, and look at how you've grown and how many people get together for games. And then now Philly is doing the same thing and they're getting great turnouts. And I just love to see that. So um, Absolutely. 
that is to me, I think what we're trying to do with this podcast, we're trying to do on social media, kind of like highlight what's going on. Ohio Foxes had a really good turnout too this week. Um, DC Foxes, the MV Foxes is starting up and they've, they've had some great meetouts and uh, meetups lately. So um, I just, I, I got to get that out before I, before I talk about the, the Fofana money man, and just give, give them all the props in the world. So love you all for what you're doing. Um, I think for the Fofana money, if we do, it's going to be difficult, right? There's not a lot of time in the window. Uh, looks like we were able to get a decent amount of that money as a base fee. So it's the reports are looking like around 70 million pounds as a base fee. Um, pretty certain that there is a 20% sell on cost of Sanatien. So um, any of the profit that we'd make on the sale, a chunk of that that 20% goes to Sanatien. So that's not our money. So we don't net quite you know the full amount. And then there was the add-ons that were structured into the deal. Um, those details take a little time to get out. You'll, you'll see all sorts of conflicting reports when it comes to like what the actual add-ons are, but generally they're based on like, um, bonuses that we, we'd achieve if, you know, based on the number of appearances he makes, um, for Chelsea, um, based on Chelsea's like, uh, finishing position and if they win the league or um sometimes based on the number of international appearances that Bobana may make. But from all reports seems to suggest that we held very firm uh, on this deal and we were able to negotiate not only a very high fee, but also high add-ons that are very achievable. So kudos to the club. Um, I think some of this not for sale um, narrative that was out there was a, just part of a very good negotiation by Leicester City Football Club. So well done on that self. He had to go. He had to go. And um, and we were able to get, get some good money for that. So I think we're going to need another center back. Um, I think that, that is time. And, um, and then a right winger. I think those are the, the priorities for us. We haven't really had the right winger we've been looking for since Mara's left. We do need that in order to play the formation that we want to play and play the system that we want to play. And I think what's also good about getting this Fofana money now is um, we maybe don't need to hold out for every last penny on some of the players that we're trying to move on. And that might make those sales or those loans a little bit easier to, to negotiate. Now we're going to need to move quickly. There's not a lot of time in the window, but um, there is some money now to kind of try to make it a, a last ditch kind of improvement to the squad. Chris, how are you spending it? Uh, echo Jason's points exactly. And it seems based on what's going on in the rumor market, the Leicester are thinking exactly the same. I mean, Percy came out a couple of days ago and for the first time actually kind of give options to what we would do following the purchase of Fafana. It seems like that Dortmund centre-half, uh, I'm not. Mm. I'm going to massacre his name, Akanji, Akanji, seems to be the guy that they've put at the top of the list. I think we might not, I don't think we'll buy anyone. I think it'll be loans. I really, I think mm. just because we've got four days left in the window, I think negotiations are going to be pretty tough in that four days. So it might be um, a maybe a couple of loans in, but I think to echo Jason's point as well, hopefully this gives us the opportunity to get a few more players out. I mean, if there's those rumors in Spain at the moment about Perez wanting to kind of leave, if that's true, I mean, that frees up another squad space, but I would hope 
we'd send them send a defend send a defender is the is priority number one and then a right winger if so if we can in the next four days. You want to find like a Nathan Dyer type to squeeze in there from Swansea Well, I, all I will say is just keep looking out. Look, keep Leicester fans. League league Ooh. champion Nathan Dyer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I if, love if, it. If Leicester fans keep reading the uh, uh, Build, the German newspaper. They seem to be linking us with quite a few. There was the Cologne right winger, I think it was today that came out. In the news, so um, I, if we're going to get anything in, maybe we're getting looking into the Bundesliga um, and seeing what players are available. That'd be nice. And when was our last Bundesliga player? Was it uh, Ron Robert Zeiler? Was that would he been our last Bundesliga Zeeler. guy? Zeiler, yes. Um, I'm trying to think of who else may have come in from Germany since then. I think. Oh, Soyuncu, but Soyuncu was yeah, Soyuncu came from yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. from Germany. For sure, right. for sure. So yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh Ben Chapman, um, Chris, I'll give this one to you. He just asked straight up, should Brennan be sacked? <laughs> I mean, you're uh just go uh, ahead and just lay it out, man. Off Saturday's performance, and I made me and Jason made different on this one again, but um based on Saturday, no. But I think the next three games of four, I, I think through September. The Forest game, as I've always said on this podcast, is game, I think, week nine or week 10 is that Monday night. Like, when that is, I think that it would be the ultimate pinch point. If we're going into that Forest game, still struggling, still bottom of the league, and we don't get a result, then I think he's gone that night or the next morning. But I wouldn't, I think he's around at least until October at, at the moment. I think that's a fair catalyst, uh, Jason. Uh, for us, a good, a good uh, line in the sand. Well, I hope I don't want to see anything get to that right where there's a possibility like, oh, we'll lose the forest. But we've done that already under Rogers. Not only that's lost by them, fucking embarrassed. When, when's yeah. the, uh, when's so the I, break? Is that is that happening in September? I, I think, think we have an international break in September as yeah. well, the last round pre to the World Cup. So, yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, there's also a pinch point there where you've got that two, 10 day, two week window where you can do something in that period as well. Yeah. I, I think there are two sets of considerations here uh, for the club. And one is uh, what they want to do uh, in the short term. Um, and if that's to, if they have to make a change. And if that's to like immediately appoint the long-term successor or just to find a caretaker until the tar- uh, proper target's out there. Like, I hate to talk about someone losing their job um, and I don't want things to get toxic. They are getting toxic at the club. Rogers does look frustrated. The fan base is starting to get frustrated. There's an issue with the culture around the club. So something has to change. Um, if it does go in that direction, I just hope it's, you know, there's a mutual consent uh, and people do leave on good terms. I don't. I think you can fault the manager for quite a lot of things, but you can't take away the achievements that he has with us. Um, you know, finishing fifth place um, two seasons is commendable. Uh, the collapses at the end of the season were not, but all in all, fifth place for Leicester City Football Club is is fantastic. Um, we sort of backed into a European semifinal, but hell, it was still a European semifinal. And we won the FA Cup. 
we went back to Wembley and got a community shield. So I just don't want to see kind of, you know, a, abuse being, you know, sent, sent his way, but I get the frustrations and I do think that something needs to change. Um, and it's a tough one. It really is. But um, we need to start seeing some signs of life very soon. Yeah, everybody's got tough shit to deal with at work, and I feel like this is just, yeah. you know what I mean? This is the line of work but you're I, in, Brendan. I just, and... I, I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to see like you know all this negative, but I also don't want to see the manager talking down the club anymore. Frankly, I'm sick and tired of that. Yeah, yeah, that's where I am. And, it, and it's like, um, I, I, I have so much, I mean, the guy had me on my knees sobbing watching an FA Cup one that I didn't know that we would ever get to see as the Leicester City team with today's money and the, the teams that we compete with. And so the, the, the highs have been so great with Brendan, but God damn, if these lows aren't just slapping us in the face, literally the lowest of the low right now, a position we have not been in as a club. And I feel like there is, for better or worse, now this um, expectancy from the fan base of like we're not just going to put up with this so it's a it's a very tough and precarious position and and all that we can do is stick together guys and and like you said jason leave the abuse alone guys there's no need for that um but but there there definitely has to be some semblance of uh this is the club we are and this is the club that we need to be in there there are some expectations now and finding that middle ground is going to be really important um chris anything else you want to mention on that or should we move along to no, just uh, an announcement yeah, echo your points, boys. Exactly. There's no need to have, no need to say anything that you'll regret in the morning in this situation. Like he Rogers wants to win. Like he's not he's not throwing games for us. He's not deliberately trying to lose. So just just I think that just to keep that message that you guys echoed. Absolutely. All right, guys. Moving on uh, for our USA got, uh, fans here. There was a we talked a little bit about y'all earlier, but there was a major announcement made. Over the weekend by NBC Sports, uh, they're going to be doing their next Premier League live mornings live event in Philadelphia, October 15th and 16th. It has been announced. And um, for any of you that have been a part of any of these in the past, uh, you know that these events are really fun as a Leicester fan because we are such a small, tight knit group and we really do use it um, kind of as a uh, family reunion um, of mm -hmm. sorts. And a great way for all of us from all around the country to meet up and uh, just say hello and, and give each other hugs and, and catch up on each other's lives. But with that being said, so stoked to say that the U.S. Fox's podcast full cast, uh, ourself, myself, Chris, Jason and Jim, who's not joining us today. He's a little busy today, but the Texas Fox himself will be joining us in Philadelphia and we're going to be having a hell of a time there. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on, on heading to uh, Philadelphia in October? First time, Matt. First time. Well, first time. Excited. This will be my first NBC event. So I'm going in as kind of completely on the, like, I've seen it live on the TV and it looks fantastic. I mean, the crowd is always up for it. I think the photos that you guys have shared of the events that you guys have been to in Miami, um last year last year in la as well looked awesome so no i'm i'm really yeah. excited to head out east it's always fun going on to the other coast it's gonna be cold matt so i don't know we're gonna have to wrap up i think as oh, like san diego going to the east coast in october we might have to figure out where that winter winter leicester jumper is but um 
no, I, I can't wait. I think, like, to you guys' point, Leicester, Leicester in the US is very much a family. And it's great that we all can get together, meet up, have a couple of drinks and just talk about Leicester. And, I mean, the other beauty of it is that we're on our own. Where the Palace game is that weekend, I believe, which is the early kickoff. So, no 4.30 for us, Matt. It will just be a 7.30. So, it'll feel like a 3 p.m. game for us. <laughs> I'm so stoked. <laughs> Literally, I'm so stoked, Jason. This will be like your what sixth one of these? Like oh, you're you're our uh, esteemed veteran here at these. What what are you looking forward to, in Philly? Yeah, I've done a bunch of them, and they're a lot of fun. I think because of just the way we approach these events. And uh, there's a great moment from one of the from the meetup in in New York City in 2018, where like during halftime, uh, Rebecca Lowe and 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 Kyle Martino and like the, they're all at the, the the desk and kind of talking about the you know the game during halftime, and all you hear in the background is just us, like the Leicester fan doing the Jamie Vardy chant, and just nonstop throughout the entire 15 minutes and a half. And we were chanting and just like bringing it like all game. And like fans from other clubs were like leaving their games to watch the Leicester because of the way we were. And we were always loud, always, you know, we're just out there to kind of make sure we all have a good time and make sure that everyone knows that the lesser is there and um it, it's going to be a lot of fun so i can't wait to see you guys uh, we have other friends coming in from other parts of the country uh, it'd be great to see the philly foxes on you know their home turf um this it's going to be a lot of fun we we make it fun Absolutely. And LA was, uh, LA was awesome. Uh, I think I, my arms about fell off holding up the V chai scarf. It got a lot of screen time. I was very stoked about that. Uh, and we had, I think we had about 40 West coast foxes. We had them in from Washington and Arizona, LA. I mean, it was a great event out there. So yeah, becoming to Philadelphia, it's going to be great. And not only is it going to be great because, you know, just getting to come back because Philly kind of got ripped off during COVID. It was supposed to get there to begin with, but it's also coalescing with the um, emergence and forming of the, the uh, Philly Foxes group, like you said, um, which has become uh, a, a, a quickly growing group in our, our little uh, U S Foxes family here. They've had some great turnouts recently, CJ and Ben putting on, putting in the work and proud to announce that they're going to be hosting a uh, U.S. Foxes party uh, for anybody that is going to be making the trip to Philadelphia for the event on uh, October 15th and 16th is the event. But on the 14th, that Friday beforehand, uh, we have the basically the closest bar to the event. It's like a four-minute walk away from the event on that Friday night. We have the entire second floor rented out for nothing but lesser city usa fans there's going to be food there's going to be drinks there's going to be hugs there's going to be laughs so guys honestly anything that you can do if you have to drive bike train plane whatever you have to do to get there this is going to be such a damn good time for you to meet other foxes i know it gets lonely out there when you're surrounded you know in wherever you are iowa i see you listeners on our podcast iowa nebraska i know you're probably surrounded by douches and your man you and your man city kits and you're just like man it would be cool to have some friends Come to Philly. Let's all get together. Let's all have some drinks. Let's sing these groups out of the damn uh, event. And let's show them what it's like to be a Leicester fan because it's going to be a whole of event. So October 15th and 16th, get into town a little bit early because that Friday night, we are going to have one hell of a party in Philadelphia. Chris, 
how excited are you to meet the gang? On a scale of one to ten, Matt, eleven. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, it, the fact the fact that we're doing the fact that you guys and kudos to the Philly Foxes and to yourself, Matt, like setting this up as a get together before the event. It's like it's fantastic, and I think again, it just highlights that sense of family and community that we hope to instill out here in big old America. That yes, it's a huge country, but we really are a tight knit family. And I mean, we had we had fans that actually came from Leicester on a conference today. The guest they visiting San Diego came and found us, and it was so cool that 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 just the fact that we're now establishing fan bases and we're giving Leicester fans from all over the world, the opportunity when they come to America to share in that spirit, sharing that camaraderie, sharing that family atmosphere when they come to watch Leicester play is just, is yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, to Matt's point, if you're in Nebraska, Iowa, Colorado, wherever you are, I'm sure there'll be someone on the flight that is so, heading over to Philly for the Fan Fest and you're, you're going to have a great time. So if you're on the we, fence, do it. Do, do it. it like seriously do it guys and get in early on it and and do some communication use the us fox's hashtag talk to if you need to get together on rooms to save money or you know whatever like make it as least expensive as you can but i promise you it will be worth it um we're looking at you michigan foxes ohio foxes we want you guys carpool whatever the fuck you gotta do let's get together and make this one hell of an event <laughs> And uh, and make this something that we all remember and we all can celebrate because especially in a season like how this one's going, we're going to need uh, each other in the sense of community that the Foxes have uh, to keep our heads high. And Matt, I'll make you a promise year. right now. I'll be the glass half full guy. I All weekend long, I will be the glass half full guy for you all. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> Boys, that being said, obviously, Man United Thursday, Brighton on Sunday. Uh, any other notes before we uh, take off and call this one? a uh, another successful episode excellent no man all right you've got you've got me pumped up and ready ready to go so thank you man we need this is a good like chris started us off with some positivity you're finishing off the episode with some positivity let's let's go on this high note for sure guys uh continue stay stay up to date with us on twitter we're going to be making announcements um we are going to be putting out a um an invite so that you can RSVP to the U.S. Foxes party on that Friday before the fan event so that everybody can get in. There's going to be food and drinks and just camaraderie and everything that you could want. Uh, but with that being said, stay tuned. And uh, thank you, as always, for joining us on the U.S. Foxes podcast. For Chris and Jason, can't thank you enough for listening. Share it. Hit the like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time on the U.S. Foxes podcast. See you